Okay, so we're doing all about the base, and really that, this seminar stream is all about the fact that as Christians, we want to build really good foundations in our lives, and you guys at your age are the best stage at which to do that. Decisions and habits you make as a young person will affect the rest of your life, okay? You think right now, oh, I'm just doing this and doing that. You know, actually, the decisions, the habits you get into now can set you up for a life of fruitful Christian living or of just messing around or compromise and weakness, honestly. So you can set up things in your life now which are going to help you the rest of life. So on uh, the first day, we spoke about um, reading the Bible. I said, you know, if you start getting into a daily practice of reading the Bible, getting into it, pushing through the hard bits, asking good questions, actually, if you keep doing that for the rest of your life, you are going to grow in godliness and as a Christian and growing in strength and putting down deep foundations. As we talked about the Shard being this massive building in, in um, London, and it had great big foundations. Can anyone remember how deep the Shard's foundations was? Yes, please. 53 meters, absolutely, which is a massive. This room is 30 meters long, uh, wide rather, and it's 53. So even further than that, that's how long it goes. And in most buildings, it's just two meters deep. But it's 53 meters. And you need strong foundations so you can build a strong, tall tower. And same with our lives. The deeper our foundations are, the more strong and fruitful that we can be for God. Yesterday, Martin and Sandeep talked about prayer and the fact that just communicating with God is such an important part of our Christian life. Actually, actually, no, it's about relating to God. God doesn't want us to save us and bring us into our family and then not talk to you. He wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk to him. So talk about being a foundation. And today, we're going to talk about the thing that Jesus teaches us to do that he doesn't have to do. Okay? And we're going to talk about sin and particularly repentance. So saying sorry, although it's actually more than that. But actually, as a Christian, one of the really important things you have to learn to do is look at your own sin and deal with it. Okay, and uh, Jesus didn't have to do that because he never sinned, but he still taught us in the Lord's Prayer that we had to deal with it. So let me start off just by telling you a little bit about sin. What is sin? Well, sin is anything you say or do or think that is not what God wants. Okay, so that's the things you do, things that you know are wrong, that are against the way he has created you. Okay, or it's not doing the things you should Okay, so it's the things that you do that are wrong, but sometimes it's not doing the things you should. Who's ever thought, oh, I really should have helped that person, or I should have, uh, you know, pointed out a problem, or I should have stood in, anything like that? Yeah. There's all, all of us have done stuff that's wrong, but all of us have failed also to do the right thing at various times. And ever since the Garden of Eden, God made the world good, and he made people, he said they were very good. But in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they screwed it up. They took the fruit that they weren't meant to and they disobeyed God. And ever since that, there's been sin in the world and there is sin in every single person, including you and me, except one, except Jesus. And uh, we've learned this morning a bit about sin, haven't we? In fact, there's this big Goliath in all of our lives standing against us. There's a sin that stands in us. We've all done evil. We've all done things wrong. And it's like a poison in our hearts that we have no ability to clean out, no ability to get rid of. It's just there, killing us slowly until the day that we die. Ultimately, our sin leads to death. Our God is a holy, pure, and awesome God. And you will not be able to stand before him at the end of your life unless you are the same. If you come before him and you are not holy, he says, you are damned. You are going to eternal damnation. You're going to hell to suffer and be punished for your sin forever. 
And maybe you don't think your sin's that bad. And maybe your sin is not that bad compared to some other people. But your sin, even just a one white lie, that's what you did your whole life. Let's be honest, none of us are just that bad, just that little in terms of our sin. Even, but even that tarnishes the whole thing. Even that just messes up the whole thing so we're no longer holy in God's sight. And we fall massively short of his standards. And so that means, actually, we've not lived as he's asked us to live. And therefore, we need to be punished for it. And he says, the punishment for sin is death. And so sin is uh, also about broken relationship. When you, uh, kind of, uh, when you sin against your mate, if you gossip behind their back and they find out about it, what happens to your friendship? gets broken, doesn't it? You might be able to mend it quite quickly, but there's, you've still broken it a little bit. It's only a broken trust. When my kids lie to me, I said, you know what? It makes me really sad that you lied to me because you've sinned against God. But also it breaks our relationship. My ability to trust you has just dropped a level and we need to work at building it up again. So it leads to broken relationship between us and God. And you are made for a relationship with God. God made you to reflect his glory and to be in relationship with him. Another thing that sin is, sin is making ourselves God or other things God. Okay, we know what God wants, but we decide, I'm going to do things my way. When you say that, you're basically saying, I want to be God and Lord of my own life. You're putting yourself as Lord of your life instead of making Jesus Lord of your life. And he's the only one who deserves to be Lord of your life. Or sometimes we make other things gods in our life. So sometimes we can say something that's good and make it a God. So for me, one of my temptations, as I've mentioned this week, is my motorbike. I love my motorbike. I love my daughter, who was born three months ago. I also like my motorbike quite a lot. I also got a few months ago. People say, hey, well, how's your life going? I was like, it's great. I've got a new motorbike. I haven't had a new baby. I was like, yes, that's right. I've had a new baby as well. I was like, no, I must get my priorities right. But I love it. And there's a danger I could end up loving that and being more obsessed about that than God. It's not, my motorbike's not a bad thing. It's a good thing but it can become too big in my, in my eyes. Sometimes relationships can be like that. Even a husband and wife, or a boyfriend and girlfriend, or good friends, suddenly we put that person above God and what he thinks. And do you know, your sin not just affects you, it affects others around you. Sometimes we think our sin is like a bullet. We're doing damage to our own heart, or damage to our relationship with God. But do you know what? Sin is like a grenade. When you sin, the splashes or the explosion hits other people. So it leads to broken relationship with God virtually, but also leads to broken relationship with other people as well. Well, the world will tell you, do whatever you want as long as it doesn't harm anyone else. The Bible says no. What is in your heart matters. That's what Simon's been talking about, hasn't he? It's not just what's on the outside, not just what people see, but it's what goes on in the heart. Sometimes we can be doing good things and right things, and people can be like, oh, that's really good. But sometimes you can be doing it for the wrong motive. There's other things going on in your heart. And God looks at that. And sin, if it's not dealt with properly, can damage the foundations that you are building. So we're talking about a big building like the Shard. Well, if there's cracks started to appear in that, the architect and the engineers have to deal with them. If they don't, the foundation could get weakened and crumble and eventually the whole building could fall down. And sometimes it can just start as just a little sin. But those cracks can grow and grow, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But the great thing is that Jesus came to defeat sin and death. And that's what we've been celebrating this morning. I've been singing my lungs out about it this morning. That Jesus, when he died on the cross, he was like, you know what? When that sin came into the world, I already had a plan to get rid of it, 
to take that poison out of your life, to fix the relationships between you and God and each other as well, and to make sure you're not eternally damned, but eternally in glory with me. That's what Jesus did when he was dying on the cross. And so we can now know, hey, I am righteous before God. I can tell you right now that God looks at me and he thinks, wow, Stephen is righteous and glorious and perfect and pure. That's how he sees me because I am now in Christ. But there is now this season where, although I'm a new creation, I'm still living in a fallen world. And my flesh still has desires to sin. I still have a world and an enemy, as we learned this morning, who's tempting me to sin as well. But the good news is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for each one of us to put our sin to death. So like when David killed Goliath, that was like Jesus killing sin and death. You know what? The victory is already won. And then the Israelites come along and get to mop up the battle by killing off the Philistines. Well, it's a bit like us. Jesus has killed sin and death, but now we need to join the fight and we need to kill sin as well. Let me tell you, we... Uh, no, I'll come back to that later. Um, okay, so the great thing is that the Holy Spirit in our lives is going to help us kill sin as well. So we're going to do an illustration this morning about the fact that your life is a bit like a garden. God has come along, he's cleaned up your garden, it's pure and perfect and lovely. And in all eternity, that's how it's going to be like. Your life is like that garden. But the reality is while we're living here, there's still um, potential for weeds to grow in your garden. For seeds to blow across from your neighbor's garden. Or for rabbits to come and eat your things that you, the good things that you're growing. Okay? And we need to be those who are courageous at killing sin. Okay? So a few times this morning, I need people to come up and demonstrate what it is to kill sin. I'm going to demonstrate it and if you want to have a go, you can have a go afterwards. Okay, so Stephen has got two giant pitchforks. And. Nice. And that is killing a weed. And that is what we want to do to you, sin. So when we make points about sin, we're going to get someone to come up and volunteer to kill a weed or a bunny. Okay, um, we've not risk assessed this. Please don't mention it's outside the venue. Right, your turn. Okay, so we just want to touch on a few little uh, top tips of how do you avoid sinning. So um, I know for my life, I do sin. I mess up every day. Um, I, I make mistakes and I do things that I know I don't want to do. I don't want to damage my relationship with Jesus, but I do those things. I make bad choices. Um, but sometimes it's good to just think about how can you avoid getting into that situation in the first place so you don't get to the point where you're coming back and having to say sorry, but you've actually just not done the thing in the first place. Um, so the first one of those top tips is um, about staying close to Jesus. Um, so Simon's really helpfully explained to us about the relationship that we've got with Jesus. And I think when you become a Christian for the first time, it's so exciting. You've made this commitment and there's nothing that's going to get in the way of that. You're so sure of who Jesus is and that you want to live wholeheartedly for him. You say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to see that person. I'm not going to do all these things. And then you go home from New Day and you're kind of back in that world. And maybe there's temptation again to do those things that maybe you were doing before that you know just aren't right. 
when you're at New Day, it's quite easy. It's quite easy to stay close to Jesus. Every day there's meetings, there's seminars. You go back to your youth group. You might be praying in the afternoons. You might be hanging out with your Christian friends. It's easy. But when you go home, there's that temptation um, of just not staying close to Jesus, not spending time with him. Your kind of your relationship with Jesus can get kicked to the side a little bit. And that can actually be one way of avoiding sinning is just staying really close um, to Jesus. So when I'm in the middle of worship, when I'm in the big top in the evenings, hands up in the air, in awe of who Jesus is, I'm not really thinking about writing something mean on someone's Facebook status. I'm not really thinking about gossiping about someone in that moment. I'm thinking about Jesus. And that is a great way to avoid sinning, not just to be in the big top worshipping, but to be in a place of really close relationship with Jesus. So if you prioritise your walk with Jesus and spending time with him, I can guarantee you that will help you stop sinning. That will help you avoid um, sinning because you won't want to damage that. You won't want to damage that relationship that you're investing time and effort into building. Great, okay, let's have a girl. Who wants to come and kill a bunny or kill a weed? Fantastic, come and help. You can choose your tool. You can choose the orange one or you can choose the brown one. Doug, can you just be there to help in case she kills anyone? You must throw it this way. Choose your tool. Come on now. Okay, ready. Are you ready? You can move closer if you want to. I've obviously got a massive gun so I can throw it a million miles. Go. Yeah. Kill that sin. Yeah. And kill it by staying close to Jesus. Also, a way to avoid sin is by being aware. The Bible encourages us, be aware that there is an enemy who is prowling around like a roaring lion to see who he can devour. Let me tell you, when I say kill or be killed, if you're not killing sin, sin will be killing you. There's no standing still. If you stand still on a downward escalator, which way will you go? Down. Okay, your life is like you have to step on and keep going. You have to go faster than the escalator. Okay, it's a sense where you need to be killing sin actively. And we need to be aware of our own weaknesses. So the way that we're made, sometimes we've got different weaknesses inside us. Okay, so I know that one of my weaknesses is that um, I'm, I'm proud. I, I like what people think of me. So I'm aware of that. And so I'm thinking, have I been proud today? Are there opportunities where pride's going to creep in and I can be aware of it? Sometimes it's things that the enemy is uh, being aware of the enemy. The fact that the enemy likes to lie to us. Are you thinking things that aren't true? Are you aware of the fact that the enemy's trying to take you down? Sometimes being aware of it, uh, being aware of it is so important. It's like in your garden. You st- you, you know, if, you don't, if you sit on your deck chair, just looking up into the sky, you won't see the, the weeds creeping up. You need to go to work. You need to go and look. Are there weeds growing up around the vegetables? Are the bunnies going to try and get through the fence? If they are, they need to patch it up. Okay? So being aware of the fact that we've all got weaknesses and temptations, and also the fact that the enemy wants to come and attack us. And uh, the Bible's really clear that temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way, but was without sin. When you have something precious, like a good garden, you take care of it. You look out for where sin could creep in. I love the, the story of Joseph in the Bible. And a Joseph was tempted to sexually sin by a woman, a, by a woman who was Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife. She was like, ooh la la, it's Joseph, you look so attractive. I want to have sex with you. And he could have just like, no one's here. I could do it. You know what he did? He didn't stand and go, no, I will not sin against you. No, I will not sin against you. But he ran. When you see sin coming, run away. My friend was once walking on the beach with a girl, and the girl started saying to him, look, we've been together for a little while. I'm kind of ready to stay at the next level. He literally didn't say anything. He literally ran. (laughs) 
I could have said to him, you probably could have said something, couldn't you? He's like, no, no, I'm so scared. I was just going to kiss you or something. I, was like, I just ran. It's like, fair enough. So run from your sin. Look out for it and then run away when you see it. Um, let's get a guy to come up and throw a, throw a spear. Let's do it. Oh, you're right there, mate. Go for it. Great. What are you going to go for? Bunny or weed? Get the bunny. Get the bunny. <laughs> Woo! Ouch. Little bunny. Die. Uh, I actually like bunnies, but not, in, not the wrong kind. Okay, so... Uh, next top tip of how to avoid sinning so we've done staying close to Jesus be aware and run away um, from temptation Um, next one I've got is uh, don't share tents with the wicked so this is about who you hang out with where you put yourself who your friends are who you spend your time listening to watching what kind of things you're on the internet having a look at Uh, yeah just what just what you put in your mind who you're who you're sharing your time with Um, in Psalm 84 it says um, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked Um, and one of the translations of the Bible it says then live comfortably in the tents of the wicked and actually it can be really attractive to to hang out with certain people but you might know that they're actually not really good for your soul. They're not good for your relationship with Jesus. They might be kind of taking you away from the things that you know are right and the stuff that you're trying to grow, all the good fruit that you're trying to kind of nurture in that garden. Um, actually, these people are kind of like, oh, yeah, let's just go over here and let's just uh, play on the swings. Let's not bother with all of that. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, the swings would be really fun. But actually, I know I'm called to get this tree going, to get this, this fruit happening. Um, so, yeah, just uh, who are you spending your time with? I know for me... Um, so when I was about 13, 14, I had a really good friend called Laura at school. We had a great friendship. We got on really well at school. Um, I moved to school, so we used to try and hang out at the weekends and see each other. Um, and actually, as we got a little bit older, like so, we, so this was when I was about 12, then when we were 13, 14, we were in different schools. We'd see each other every weekend. And her parents were really like, they weren't Christians. They didn't care what she did, really. We were allowed to do whatever we wanted at her house. So I knew this, and I would always say to my mum, oh, we're going to go around to her house. We're going to sleep over at hers. Because I knew that we'd get to watch 15 movies. I knew my parents would not allow me to do that. And I, didn't, I knew that God didn't really want me to do that. He didn't want that stuff, me watching that stuff when I was too young. Um, we'd just be able to stay up all night. We could go on the internet, look at whatever we wanted. We could just do whatever we wanted. I tried a little bit of alcohol at her house that my parents would not have let me done. And all of those things, I knew I was putting myself in that place where I wouldn't be able to say no. I'd want to do it so much when I was there. I'd want to hang out with Laura. I'd want to look cool in front of her. So I'd just go and do it. And then I'd be like, oh, why have I put myself in that place? And I knew when I was saying to my mum, at that point, I could have said, can Laura come to our house? But instead, I said can I go into her house, which I knew would be a bad decision. So that was me putting myself in the tent of the wicked. That's what that verse is talking about. Um, and then in, on the kind of flip side of that is you can have really great friendships. So in, in terms of helping you avoid sinning, you can have friendships that help you, that girls and, and guys in your life that point you to Jesus, that tell you um, how to... Uh, where, what to do when you're making bad choices to say, how, do you think that's the best thing to do? What does the Bible say about that? Can I help you? Can I pray for you? Maybe you've got someone you're with today that's just a great friend or maybe you're sitting next to someone and you think, we could be like that. Our friendship could be like that. We want to make it more like that. And uh, the Bible talks a bit about accountability and uh, I know that's something in my life that I've really, really um, found so helpful is to have friends that I'm accountable to and when I'm struggling with something and thinking, I'm thinking about doing this and I have, maybe I haven't done it yet but I'm thinking about doing it and I know there's people who are saying, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. And you need those friends in your life. You need to um, develop those friendships and choose your friends really wisely. Let's go, girl. Oh, 
She took a chunk out of the board, not the bunny. Okay, uh, just a quick one. Don't ignore it. When you see something in your life, don't just ignore it. When I was your age, I used to lie about anything and everything and for no reason, actually. And, uh, and with lying, if you ignore it, what do lies do? They just grow. You tell other lies to, 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 to cover that lie, another lie to cover that lie. Or it just grows in your own heart. You just feel worse and worse and worse. The best thing is as soon as you see something in your life, expose it to the light. Say, actually, dig it straight up, as it were. Say, up. This, you know, this is a sin in my life, or I've sinned against you, and it's come and, and apologize straight away. Don't ignore it, because it'll, it'll grow and grow, and it will spread, and it will cause problems. Okay? Cool, next one. So this is, uh, these are now tips about what to do when you sin. So um, if you have already met sin, then yeah, don't ignore it, just like Stephen's been saying. So the next one is soften your heart. So if you know that you've done something wrong, um, actually often the Holy Spirit convicts you. You feel, you feel like you know you've done something wrong and, uh, and you want to act on it, you want to get right with God, and that's great. But sometimes, especially if you've done something maybe once, twice, three, four, five, six times, you can harden your heart to it, and you can kind of just be like, nah, I'm not going to deal with that. It's all right. It's fine, though, because it's fine. I'm still, I'm still standing. It's fine. I did it last week, and I'm fine. And you can harden your heart. And I know for me, so um, unkindness was really one of them. So um, I'm, I hope I'm quite a good friend. I really like my friends, and I really try um, to build into those friendships. I'll do things that I know that they like. I don't always want to do the things that I like to do if I'm with a certain person, um, so, uh, yeah, so my friend Nay, I've talked about before, she's been leading worship. She's got a little boy. I don't have kids, but I'm quite happy to go to the play park with them, to, s- to hang out on the little slide, the little mini swings. The, you know, he's, only, he's not even two yet. So just we do stuff that I, wouldn't, I don't really want to do on my own, but I'll do it with her because I know it blesses her to have fun with her son. Um, and I, I hopefully I like doing that for my friends. But okay, there was a season in my life where I was at university and... Um, I was just trying to please people and I found that I was becoming more unkind that I wasn't really bothered about other pleasing about being nice to people because I just wanted people to think well of me and I was kind of just like no nah, I'm not going to be that kind I'm not going to go out of my way for people I'm not going to kind of go you know sacrifice on my own time to spend time with others I'm not going to babysit for that family because I just can't be bothered and I don't really want to and I'd just rather you know like go out with my friends and have a nice time and actually, I just sort of hardened my heart, and God was prompting me and saying, you're not being kind, you're not being the woman that I've called you to be, you're just hardening your heart to that. And it was a really small thing, and no one would have said, like, oh, look at her, sinner, she hasn't babysat for three weeks. But I knew in my heart I'd had opportunities to bless families, and I'd just been like, nah, not bothered, now nah, I'm going to do my own thing, now nah, I'd rather have an evening in watching friends. Like, I just was hardened my heart to being kind, and God really prompted me on that, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, um, and yeah, he was just so gentle and kind, and he wasn't that, God said, oh, that's it, you've done it now, that's it. There was just grace, and even though I made the mistake several times over, it was probably about six months that I just was really aware of God um, prompting me on it, and it took me a good six months to a year to kind of really sort it out. Um, God was so kind and just kept coming to me with grace and saying, yep, that's okay, but let's deal with it. That's okay, but let's deal with it, um, and I had to say sorry, and that was, that was hard, and actually it was harder to say sorry because my heart was hard on that, and it took time to soften it. Great, good stuff. Okay, let's get a guy up. Yeah. Yes, lad. Kill that sin. Okay. So if you're dealing with your sin, I said earlier that repentance that Jesus talks about is more than just saying sorry. I say to my kids, say sorry. And they're like, sorry. Okay, say it properly. 
Sorry. That's it. Probably the eyes open. Sorry. It's like, it's like okay, well, I don't think you really mean this, do you? Like, yeah, I do. So, you know, it's like, actually, saying sorry, properly repenting and getting right with God means actually, repentance means going the other way. Okay? So if you're sinning in this direction, this is the way your life's going. Actually, it's turning right away from it and saying, no, I've got to go this way. So if you're making yourself Lord of your life, it's like, no, turn right, turn or whatever. And it's like straight down. It's like, no, I've got to go the other direction. It's about making Jesus Lord of all your life. So they think about something like um, unforgiveness. Maybe an unforgiveness towards someone. Maybe someone has really offended you. Okay, oh, there's people, who, there's actually, I work for a church and there's someone on church staff who really offended me. Okay, and they really had, I wasn't making it up, they were, they were, they were proper nasty. And I was like, oh, I can't believe you've done this. I was proper angry inside. I was like spitting venom about it. And, um, and then after, after kind of a week or two, I thought, oh no, I must have forgiven them. I'm okay about it. And I went to church Sunday evening and there they were. And I was like, oh no, oh there you are, worshipping God. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I was just, I was so cross and angry again. I was like, oh God, I can't live in this unforgiveness. I've got to forgive this person type thing. And so I had to choose no, not to be unforgiveness anymore. I had to choose to go the other way. And that doesn't say, okay, I'll forgive them. It's like, and I'm sorry, God, for being unforgiveness. No, actively turn the other way. What does that mean? That means I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to bless them and pray for them. Ah. No, but that's what I did. I was like, you know, if my heart's going to change, if I'm going to really truly repent, you know what? I'm going to love this person. I'm going to treat them as if I loved and forgiven them. It's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's actually saying, no, I'm going to take some action. I'm going to turn and go in the other direction. Great. So, uh, so yeah, more than just sorry. Um, another uh, thing to do when you maybe have already sinned um, is to be quick about it. Be quick about dealing with it. Um, sometimes it's tempting. Um, and I know I've done it. It's just to kind of wallow in the sin for a little while. I think, oh, I'm terrible. I have sinned again. I am a bad person. Oh, what am I going to do about it? And you kind of, and you might even like go to your friends and moan about it and just say, I can't believe this has happened. And just wallowing in self-pity and going on and on about it, taking days, weeks, just to sort of sort it out and just knowing it's there and just being like, oh, oh I'm so bad. And for me, like, I think a little bit of it, um, I had a little bit of this when I uh, had a little Bible plan day by day and sometimes I'd miss a day and then I'd spend the re- next week, oh, I miss Tuesday. And it's like, but it's already Saturday like I could have just sorted it out on Wednesday but I just spent the week kind of like lamenting Tuesday and it just was wasting time and actually more than that that is sin because it's demonstrating that you think that you're needed in the process of forgiveness that I've got to do the sin and then I've got to do six days of wallowing and then I get forgiven but actually the Bible says no that actually forgiveness is Jesus plus nothing you don't need to do any wallowing. You don't need to have any self-pity about it. That in itself is sinning because you're kind of saying like, oh God, yeah, the cross was good, but also you just need my self-pity too. And God is like, no, no way. Jesus plus nothing is forgiveness. So be quick about it. Know that you're under the grace of God, that the forgiveness is right there, that God is waiting for you with open arms to forgive you. You don't have to wallow in self-pity. And I think just on the, on the back of that, as we were praying about doing this seminar, um, that Um, kind of in that as well the whole kind of issue of self-harm and maybe there's someone here today or a couple people who are struggling with self-harm and there's that feeling of needing to punish yourself and needing to kind of um, act out the the kind of um, 
that wrong, the feeling of like the bad feeling on your body and on yourself. And if that's something you're struggling with, we really want to pray with you. We want to break that. You just don't need to live that life. And we're, it, I'm really like broken for you that you feel that you have to do that. And it's not God's best for you. And um, so, yeah, just if you, if you have that as an issue in your life, we'd love to pray with you. We're going to pray with lots of different people. So not everyone's going to know that's what's going on in your life. But we'd love to just sit one-on-one with you and just pray that through with you and get your youth leaders involved as well. Great, okay, let's have some girls to throw the, throw the thing. Three, two, one, go! Yes, oh, we've got a hole in it, yes! Okay, great. Okay, my one is be radical. Be radical. Jesus, when he talks about demon sin, is radical. He says, better to cut off your arm and go to heaven without it than to carry on sinning. Better to pluck out your eye Unless, unless if, it, if it keeps making you sin. Can you imagine that? Okay, today, what is it? What part of your body is calling you to sin? So I'll get my pitchfork and I'll take it off for you. No, no. Jesus is that radical. He's saying, look, if sin is in your life, be radical about dealing with it. So I've had to do with guys who are dealing with sexual sin. And they come to me, they're like, oh, I've messed up. I've looked at this or this has happened. I've got stuff. I'm like, okay, it sounds like you need to get rid of the internet at home. And they're like, what, out of my house? I said, yeah, that seems, to be, that seems to be a pattern in your life. You've got internet at home. You're there by yourself a lot. I said, why don't you just not have internet at home? And they're like, um, I'll think about it. I'm like, look, I'm telling you, it's a radical thing to do. It makes life inconvenient for you. You've got to go to a, a friend's house or you've got to go to a coffee shop to get internet to send your email stuff. But you know what? Right now, you're struggling so much, you've got to be radical. You've got to be radical at dealing with stuff in your life. Or if there's friends that are causing you problems... Like Kat was saying earlier, you know what? You might need to say, I'm just not going to hang out with them. I have to go find some other friends. You know what? I'm not going to have friends for a season because it's not much better to be a bit lonely than to be in sin. You've got to be radical about it. I, um, was going, I, I go to the gym to keep fit and I, I like the gym. I go very early in the morning and I have my phone with me. I like to read the Bible and I read books while I'm at the gym. That's what I do. So it's a really, really holy thing. Not just, not just feeding my mind, but my body and everything as well. It's amazing. But there was a time where I realized I was becoming a little bit obsessed about the guns. I was thinking, yeah, I'm looking good. I'm looking for the compliments. And I just, just put this little check in my spirit as I was praying. I was like, you know, I think this is becoming a bit of an issue. I tell you what, God, I want, I'm, I want to be radical whenever I see sin. I am just going to give up the gym for a couple of weeks. And what I did for those two weeks was literally count down that days to go back to the gym. I was like, 13 days to go. God, I'm doing really well. 12 days. Get back on with the guns. 11 days. I know I'm gonna, I know I've got my new body, body plan in place to make up for the time I've lost. And I got to the end of it and God was like, you didn't give it up in your heart at all. You just didn't go. That's not the same. God was like, so let's go for a bit longer. So I just took like another couple of weeks, a month off. I didn't even count at that point. I was like, okay, I'm as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going back and turning my peace with it with God. That I've killed this vanity because I don't want it to be a big thing for me. So I'm not going to do that for a while. I've got to be radical about it. Do you know what I mean? It's something I love to do. It's part of my routine. A bit of a headspace for me. But I was like, no, God, I want you more than I want that. So I gave up. Let's have a guy. Ready, steady, go. Yeah, nice. Right in the face of the bunny. Okay, great. So we've covered loads and loads of points um, about how to avoid sinning and what to do when you've sinned. Um, and the probably the biggest point we're going to make is this next one and it's really our last point and that is look to the cross 
So it's been really, really helpful this morning. Simon has so carefully unpacked for us the victory that we have in Jesus, that we do not have to live in sin, that that is not our uh, inheritance, that's not what God wants for us, that he has got a better plan for us. And repentance is all about Jesus. It's about what Jesus has done on the cross. It's not really about us coming. It's about what Jesus has already done. Um, We just have to make that one small step, and Jesus is already there waiting for us, ready to meet us with open arms. We're completely forgiven. And we can keep coming back to the cross, not to say that you have to to make a decision and and go to the front of the meeting every time you feel sorry for something but you personally can keep coming back to the cross and looking at Jesus on the cross and knowing that because Jesus died you are forgiven that you don't have to live in sin you're not a slave to sin anymore that you are under Jesus authority that he is your master and he's such a good kind master that he's not going to hurt you or he's not going to cause you any harm he just wants to love you and for you to be right in relationship um, with him and one of the opportunities that you have to do that maybe on a really regular basis is communion at church so uh, um, at my church Stephen and I go to the same church and uh, we every week every Sunday we have communion we have the bread and the wine um, and they read out um, a passage from the bible and it's an opportunity just to get right with God in that moment and just take a step back sit quietly and just think God I'm sorry for the stuff that I've done that is against you and I want to come now and make that right. And I want to uh, remember your cross, remember your blood and your body broken for me and have an opportunity there uh, just to come before the cross, get right with God. And then you can praise him, you can celebrate him, you can enjoy that relationship again, knowing that you are completely forgiven, you're completely righteous, that God has put his robes of righteousness on you, that you are spotless before him in his presence um, and just be in that place again. Um, And that is really grace, that God does it every time, that all we have to do is just say sorry and turn our hearts and be, be open and willing for God to do the rest in us.